Hey there. So happy to be with you on this beautiful day. And just, it's interesting, I spoke to Tina earlier today and she was saying, oh, it's so hot and humid here in West Virginia. And uh, she has basically the exact temperature and humidity that I have here in Hawaii. So tropical zones, uh, thousands of miles apart. <laughs> yeah, six hours apart time zone wise. Well, let us go into that deep place together. Oh, and we begin by taking a breath of love and gratitude. So grateful and so thankful to open our hearts and minds to the healing that we desire, the healing that we are calling forth even now. We're opening ourselves to receive an unlimited, unprecedented, powerful healing. We're saying yes to it. We're saying yes to a karma clearing. We're saying yes to this partnership with the higher Holy Spirit self. We are choosing to align with the I am that I am. And to remember our true identity is the I am that I am. Our mind is the mind of God. Our heart is the heart of God. Our hands are the hands of God. Our life is the life of God. We are opening our inheritance. And we're freeing our mind of any place where we're denying that same inheritance to our brothers and sisters. We're opening ourselves to the free flow of divine love, cleansing, clearing, activating, renewing, and restoring. We are truly setting ourselves free. Mm. Yes, indeed. In this moment, we open our hearts so gratefully that we can and we do share the benefits of our healing and our expansion with everyone because we are one with them. In grace and gratitude, we joyfully allow the healing to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. So in this prayerful state, I'm inviting you to settle into your heart and into your mind even more deeply, to close your eyes and to sit up straight and let this be a time of profound healing. I'm inviting you to consider an event in your life where 
there is still a deep regret or a deep resentment. I'm inviting you to consider an event in your life from your past, far past, something perhaps that you've carried a very long time and there's a deep regret or a deep resentment, long held, maybe confusion, lack of clarity, something that happened that you haven't yet gotten over. So I'm inviting you to consider this event from the past, and what has it cost you? What does it cost you on a daily basis? What is the amount of energy that it requires of you in order to have it running in the background? That energy you could have to be more prosperous, to do your healing work, to be more joyful, more happy, more patient, more kind, more generous, more receptive, more available, more awake. And so in this moment now, let's join together and call upon the ancestors, call upon the healing angels, Calling upon the company of heaven and all that is holy. In order to have a healing. So I invite you in your mind to go back to this incident. And See if the incident that comes to you 
Is is there an earlier one, or is this the the primary one? Is there an earlier incident that's similar? And see if you can go back to the earlier incident. Going back to this event that to this day has left you feeling regret and resentment. We're setting the intention here and now to give the heavy lifting and the healing to the Holy Spirit while we cultivate our willingness. I am is the healing activity in our mind, in our body. We're remembering nothing real can be threatened and nothing unreal actually exists. So we're opening our mind to free ourselves of the meaning that we made of things in the past. So we go back to the beginning of this event. If you can find a still earlier event, it relates to this particular regret or resentment the earliest one that you can find. And bring your mind to that place and time. And just noticing how old you are. When this happened, how old are you? Noticing what time of year it is when it happened. Noticing where you are when it begins. What clothes you're wearing. How you're feeling physically. How you're feeling emotionally. Bring your full awareness 
to this moment in time, the genesis of this regret or resentment. And you can review your experience in your mind as though it were happening now, but knowing that it isn't happening now. Reviewing the experience from the place of the intelligence and the wisdom that you have now. And as you review the movie of this experience in your mind, looking for places where you could have made more loving choices. And making those choices as you go. Going back to the beginning, watching this event like a movie in your mind, so it's happening now. Looking for places where you could have made more loving choices. Reviewing the experience in your mind. Making those newly available loving choices. And then seeing what can you learn from this? What can you discover now that you couldn't see or discover before? Mm 
And now going back to the beginning of this experience. And remembering again how old you were. where you were what time of year it was what you were wearing how you were feeling emotionally and physically. And seeing the event unfold in your mind as so though it were happening now as a movie you were watching now. Looking for places where you could have made more loving choices. And unfolding it as though you're making those loving choices and experiencing different outcomes. Noticing how it feels to make the more loving choices. And now we open our minds to the power of forgiveness, which is non-judgment. We open our minds to surrender, to release the judgments that we were holding 
that no longer serve our life of love. We make an offering of these judgments. Fully choosing true forgiveness. The release of these judgments, we don't have to figure out how. We simply allow giving these judgments away, cultivating that willingness to no longer invest our precious life energy in the judgments, the confusion, the belief in betrayal. We're harvesting the learning from our experiences. Fully allowing that divine download of wisdom to open in our mind like a beautiful lotus blossom filled with magical, mystical effervescence to help cleanse and clear our mind of all beliefs and separation, allowing these wisdom flowers to open in our mind, the clarity, the peace, the harmony, the prosperity opens in our mind. Our heart opens to the freedom, to the joy of choosing love. We take this clarity, this healing, the energy of it, and like a healing force, a cleansing power, we send it back through every choice we've ever made prior to these memories, these experiences, sending it back, back, back to the very beginning of our lifetime. Sending this wisdom, this clarity, this healing Back to the beginning. We chose this incarnation and these experiences in order to set ourselves free and that's precisely what we're doing. So we take this wisdom, this healing, this learning, this freedom all the way back to the beginning of our incarnation. And then we bring it forward through our childhood, bring the wisdom, the clarity, the compassion, 
the healing through into our teens, into our 20s, bring it forward into all of our experiences, into our relationships, into our sexuality, into our finances, into our self-esteem, bringing the wisdom, the clarity, the forgiveness into every cell, fiber, and function of our physical body, our emotional body, our mental body, bringing it right up into this present moment, fully harvesting it, and then seeing this energetic spiraling out into all humanity, sharing the benefits with everyone, sharing the clearing and the clarity, sharing the healing and the prosperity, sharing the compassion and the freedom, seeing it spiral out to all humanity, We're sending rainbows of love and light from our heart to the heart of the universe. Rainbows of love and light from our heart to the heart of the universe. Breathing deeply, allowing the recalibration to take place. We're giving thanks and sharing the benefits with anyone who participated in this with us. Anyone who helped us or contributed to this experience by divine appointment, we came together for our healing. We're grateful to accept the healing, to allow it to fully be our experience.
taking another breath of gratitude and love. We're thinking of ourselves for having the willingness, having the courage and the strength. to do our healing, to set ourselves free. We're grateful and thankful that we no longer have to play mind games and deceive ourselves. We're setting ourselves free. So grateful and so thankful to choose the healing the expansion, the clarity, the compassion, the wisdom, the forgiveness. So we come back into an awareness of the moment now in mass forgiving class and become aware of yourself where you're seated, noticing and feeling your Body temple, seated on the chair. What day is it? Monday. I'm very grateful. Grateful for our healing. In gratitude, sharing the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. So while you're all coming back to yourself, I'm going to ask people to share. And if anyone is ready to share now, you can raise your hand with a star too. We're in this relationship vortex energy. I I know a little bit about astrology, and I do know that Venus has gone retrograde, which I guess it says about a year and a half or something like that. And uh, essentially what that means to us is relationship is... um, more in our face right now. <laughs> a lot of things are more in our face right now, for sure. I know a lot of people are experiencing this. And um, it's going to stay this way uh, until early September, this energetic. And uh, so Venus it has to do with not just romance, but sex and uh, also things like art and music and the senses, five senses, the physical senses. So these kinds of things are going to be coming up for healing if they're not already. I think we're all pretty much feeling it. So one of the tools I'd like to give you during this time, particularly, is when you're going to sleep at night, you know, I believe so much in 
maximizing that dream time. Uh, but at the end of the day, to send rainbows of love and light, or you can just send a loving thought. I really like the rainbows of love and light from my heart to the heart of anyone that perhaps you're having a difficulty with. And so that helps us go into dream time with the very highest healing intentions. And uh, believe me, you will prove to yourself very quickly that this activity makes a difference. There have been a few times in my life since I learned this when I was having severe difficulty with somebody and even people that I wasn't very close to, but I've had a couple of times when people got really, really mad at me or offended by me. Um, it definitely happens sometimes for me as a teacher that um, I become the brunt of someone's upset. And I've learned to take it as a really strong prayer request. And um, sometimes I'll even, spirit will wake me up like every hour throughout the night to pray for the person and to send rainbows of love and light from my heart to their heart. And I'm always amazed at how quickly things turn around and they will reach out to me and apologize or authentically connect or just take responsibility um, and have a total shift. And this has taught me over the years that, first of all, never give up. Why would you ever give up? You know, if you're trying to work your will and you're identified with the ego, that's a different kind of a give up thing. But never give up on love. Now, some people, they're operating from something that they think is love, but it's actually an attachment. It's not really love. It's ego attachment. So we have to be honest with ourselves about the difference between ego attachment and divine, clear, pure, perfect love. But love never fails. And it's really just our willingness to hold that person in love and to send love to them. Remember, always without trying to get something without trying to get them to change their mind, not needing to manipulate them, but really sending that rainbow of love and light to acknowledge, I see who you really are. You are this perfect rainbow of love and light. You are a luminous light being. And I am sending rainbows of love and light from my light body to your light body in recognition that we are the same and we are one. And even though 
my ego identity, my wish for you to die or to always be separate from me and to think you're always better than me or always worse than me or that you don't deserve love or that you should be punished or I should be punished or I don't deserve love. Whatever those ego thoughts might be, this act of really connecting light being to light being is saying, this is what's most important to me. The truth is what's most important to me. And that's what I'm going to rest in during the night. That is what I am going to rest in. And um, you might notice that more and more we're seeing movies about working at the level of the mind and being able to um, manifest things in form based on the mind, and working in dream time. So uh, movies like The Matrix, movies like Inception, Interstellar, uh, I'm sure there's more, but um, even, it's interesting, you know, I've been watching that TV series Lost. I watched the whole thing. Spring and summer, and um, yeah, it's all about seriously, it's all about working at the level of the mind. It's kind of interesting, it's kind of strange, too. A lot of weirdness in it, but uh, essentially, that's that's a lot of what it was about, and um, mm hmm, so. Let's see who might like to share about the meditation. Anybody like to share anything about the meditation or ask a question? Start two to raise your hand. All right. Well, if nobody would like to talk about it at all, we don't have to. Oh, Akash is going to speak up there. Hey, Akash. Hello, everyone. Um, well, it's a little bit scary uh, for me, but I'm cultivating the uh, the willingness, as you were saying, and courage to uh, uh, heal and let go of the judgment. So the the earliest. Um, memory that I went back to was uh, at boarding school when I was about, I think I was about nine or ten years old, and I'd, I'd gotten up um, whilst most of the rest of uh, the people were asleep, and me and... Uh, Someone, someone that I knew who was, I don't know, a friend, I guess, uh, called Anton, uh, sneaked down to the um, the bathroom uh, of boarding school, and we we were exploring, I guess, and I, I remember, you know, t- touching him. Uh, 
sexually. And I had the experience in the meditation of realizing my uh, courage and uh, sense of feeling at the time that I might be doing something wrong, bad, and the the judgments and thoughts that I was bad or wrong or naughty and should be punished um, and how that had carried on in the rest of my life and affecting experiences in other places. But when I allowed the healing um, thoughts and choosing more loving choices, the single most loving choice was the decision to speak to myself and say, sweetheart, Akash, it's okay, you're okay, it's perfectly normal and natural to have done that and to feel that way, there's nothing the matter with you or wrong with you. And um, I can't tell you how much just relief and sense of um, yeah uh, peace essentially yeah. that 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 has enabled me to uh let flow into mm. as you were saying you know this the life stream. Yeah, good for you, Akash. Yeah, I don't think I've ever met anyone who doesn't have experiences like this. You know, everybody's is somewhat unique to them and somewhat like everybody else's. And, uh,. It's the meaning that we make of it. And uh, this is the, one of the things about sexuality. And we are going to talk about sexuality in this class because one of the things that we learn, at least I'm, I've observed that we learn in our human experience is I have yet to meet any human being who is an adult who hasn't felt at some point or another that their sexuality was bad and that their sexual impulses and feelings were bad and that their cravings, their yearnings were bad and evidence of their badness. And also, uh, the other thing that my experience is that most of us feel that in some way, shape or another, regarding our sexuality, at some point, most of us have a belief that we're just wrong. Wrong, 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 and that it should, whatever it is that we're feeling should be kept secret, 
And I mean, I have talked to so many different kinds of people and about all different kinds of sexual impulses or lack of sexual impulses. And the tendency is if we... If we don't understand it, when it comes to our sexuality, we just make it bad and wrong. And it becomes this thing that somehow it becomes so related to there's like something in me that's disgusting or bad or wrong or not good enough because there are plenty of people who have the experience of not having strong sexual drive or feeling shut down from their sexuality and they feel just as bad and wrong and crazy as people who are experiencing uh, a different extreme. But even people who are not in any kind of extreme will go through these phases where they feel crazy and they move into that place of being afraid of themselves Hmm. and afraid of what they might do or what they have done or what they shouldn't do and all of that. It's just, it's so common. Like, what a huge relief it would be for the human race if everybody wore some kind of a thing, like some kind of a sexual resume. (laughs) Like, you know, that was color-coded and anybody could see at a glance. Oh, they have fantasies about that. Oh, they have fantasies about that, you know? And 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 our sexuality changes so much because, like, for instance, I remember very clearly uh, that when I was younger and, um, like, in my teens and 20s, I had sexual fantasies about being overpowered, you know, like man overpowering me, not not violently abusing me or raping me, but just overpowering me where I had to submit to him. But when my, as my heart became more loving, as I became more loving to myself and more in my spiritual identification, that I, that didn't turn me on anymore. It wasn't interesting to me anymore. You know, and one of the things that, like I remember thinking in my 20s that a lot of the hottest guys, like the sexiest men, now I, I was never a promiscuous person. I used to pray to be promiscuous because I was just, I just did not have the energetic resiliency to be promiscuous. And so I had all this um, sexual desire and no no one to explore it with because I, I just... I didn't have the, I was too, I'm too sensitive to go and have a lot of promiscuous experience. But, um, um,
I forgot what I was starting to say there. You were saying how sexuality changes and that some things that um, didn't turn you on anymore and... Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, what you're saying is very interesting because, I mean, I had a period um, that interestingly coincided with a bit of a, a, a time when I was kind of having a bit of a breakdown when I was um, really struggling with uh, understanding and thinking, um, you know, well, you know, am, am I gay or, or what? Or <laughs> And now I, I, I don't even think of it in, in those ter- Well, I'm learning to, I guess, not to even think of it in those terms. Right. So that experience, I was in um, a boys-only boarding school. Right. But whilst that experience stayed with me in my life and there were some recurring themes later on in my life, um, I, I, I now try not to even label it because, you know, I... Right. I'm, I just try and stay aware of, you know, my, my preferences and where my attention goes. Mm-hmm. And just try and be be present with that rather than I think that's what the enlightenment of this exercise has given me is the capacity to 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 be in the place of uh, um, at at the point of non-judgment in the encounter, if you like, right, um, and and to ha- to have that openness of spirit and and not not to judge that because i think i i i had that uh, capacity when i was young but because of the judgment i somehow squashed that down and damped it down and mm-hmm. uh suffered as a result mhm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I think it's it's interesting that in spiritual circles sexuality is something that's not talked about a lot. Um I think it's valuable and important to talk about it because it's part of our self-expression and it's also part of our identification not for everyone and for some people who are not particularly sexual then it can also become a thing of something's wrong with me I'm not very sexual Uh, I've definitely seen a a fair amount of that and uh, it's very common that many couples who are married uh, stopped having sex years ago, but the marriage continues. Um, and it's sex is neither good nor bad, right or wrong. It's an expression. Uh, it's an energetic expression, and it's for the purpose of connecting us on a soul level and helping us to have a physical, emotional, and mental experience of unification. And so um, 
isn't it interesting or not that the the ego can use it the this thing that can be one of the greatest ways that we feel the unity of all life and feel that deep connection can also become one of the ways that we feel the most wicked, the most depraved, the most lowest of the low. Mm. And um, so many things that happen to us when we're young, when we're children and adolescents can get twisted and affect our sexuality. I it was in one of the classes recently, well, in the last few months, I don't know if it was this class, where I mentioned that a friend of mine um, who's a sign language interpreter got a job interpreting for a support group um, for people who were pedophiles. And so it was a therapy, group therapy, and for two years on a weekly basis he was there interpreting for this participant and he said every single member of that group had been abused as a child. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think if we can practice having the greatest compassion for ourselves in our sexuality. And I think that there are many healing things that we can actively do towards that end. So um, let's see here, Akash, if anybody else would like to say anything and join in on this. Sure. Star two to raise your hand. Akash, I'm going to leave you unmuted. Okay. Anybody like to join in here? Well, I know it's not because people can't relate. All right, let's see. Oh, we've got Teresa here, Terry. Hey there. Terry? I think you might be self-muted. Sorry, hi, Jennifer. Hi. (laughs) That's funny. I'm Terry to everybody who knew me up to when I got married, and I'm Teresa to everybody who met me beyond. So... um, what Akash, um, what this topic is about is not where I actually went during that meditation, sure. but it is something that has become sort of a, um, something that's come up again in my life now. Mm. And I, I actually, I can't remember one particular event. I can't ever remember going back when I was really young, I, I don't ever remember not thinking sex was, there was something dirty or wrong about it. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I can't remember even one particular event. Event. I was always afraid. I think afraid of um, guys, of dating, especially through high school. And, and and when I met my husband, things changed for a while. But I'm I'm finding more recently, um, because of things I'm going through, that 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 belief of sex being dirty is 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 coming back. It's never really left. So. Um, I guess I'm just start to because I relate to a lot of what you're saying as you're talking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought that up because that reminded me of what I had started to say earlier and then I forgot, which is that when I was in high school and in my early 20s, I, um, I... realized that, well, in, in I, I was in Rhode Island as a teenager and then in Boston in my early, uh, well, in my late teens, and then I moved to New York. So my teens and late teens, right in that whole time in Rhode Island, Rhode Island, I don't know about now, but back then, it was the most Catholic state of all the 50 states. And um, uh, all, almost all the, the, my friends were Catholics, and a lot of them were Catholics, and um, who went to church with their family, you know. And I had a lot of friends who uh, were first generation or second generation immigrants from Poland and uh, Portugal and Italy. And um, so their families, they they went to church all the time, you know, and they were really big on confession and all that stuff, even though they were running around crazy, you know, and even would get drunk and do crazy things sometimes with their parents, you know, Um, like sometimes working class families do. They all get drunk together, you know. Um, uh, But um, what I just noticed... uh, was that the Catholic boys had this really strong sense of naughty that made them more sexual. Hmm. And it was like, oh, when when it's naughty, it's better. It's hotter if it's naughty, if it's forbidden. And... Um, and I think that was true with, let's say, uh, more religious men that I met as I got older. Now, um, and then, all, you know, my thoughts about it changed, so then I didn't attract those experiences anymore. But, um, and see, that's the whole thing, is when our mind about it changes, then our experience changes, and history is full of People who, I mean, we see it's such a common occurrence to see people in the news who are politicians or religious leaders who condemn the very things that they do privately, right? So common that it's not even news anymore. It's like when you see someone who's an aggressive condemner of some kind of sexual behavior, you just know that's what they're doing at home. Uh, 
<laughs> practically. Um, but I, what I think we can move to is to really recognize we're not a body, we're not the ego. And so that all these desires are, or even the lack of desire, none of it is good or bad. But what is the meaning that we make of it? So looking at what is the meaning that we make of it, and then also looking at what is it we'd like to experience? Because someone like Venerable, she's been married and had children. She's been married a couple of times. Had, she has four children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But she's been celibate now for some time. She uses that energy and she channels it into the rest of her life. So it's really about how do we hold all this stuff in our mind and can we clear out the opinions and the judgments and look at where we are fostering the opinions and judgments. And we've got Miles raising his hand here. I'm going to leave you unmuted too in case you want to say anything more. Hey, Miles. Hey. Hi. Hi. I'm so glad to be here again. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, uh, well, I originally, when you when we started the meditation, I went to a sexual experience uh, that I regretted. But uh, when you were saying to go back earlier, I ended up going back way earlier, and it wasn't a sexual experience. But they're tied. Uh, and so the earlier experience, I, when I was a child, and I was, I, I don't know my exact age, but it was three three or four. And my whole world was my father. Mm. And, and when I say my whole world, he was the, he was God mm-hmm. to me. And... I knew that he loved me mm-hmm. and he would come and uh into my bedroom at night and he, he this is not a sexual thing by the way it sounds like the build up for a sexual thing uh and he would he would bounce me up and down and wrestle with me and tickle me and things like that mm-hmm. and it was it was the highlight of my life mm-hmm. and then one one day he stopped coming mm. and I was told that he had to work so he, he he started a night shift or a late shift or something he, he always worked long hours and but in my mind I immediately went to this I'm sure this must have been a, a an earlier lifetime because I immediately went to he doesn't love me 
And if he doesn't love me, I know I didn't do anything. There must be something really terribly wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And then my, from that, it seems to me, I don't know this for sure, but it seems to me from that moment on, my whole life was about not being lovable and and attempting to manipulate to find how to act so that people would love me. Because if they, and if they, when they got to, I, I, later it became when they got to know me, they wouldn't love me anymore because they'd find out the real me. Real me. So right. the, so the, you know, if I go into the future a, a bunch, and I, you know, I was a teenager in the fifties, and in the fifties, it was it was naughty to have sex. It yes. was it was cool. It was very cool, and it was naughty. And the the the, but I never had anybody. This is the way I felt about it for the longest time. I never had anybody who. Uh, told me anything about it, really. I mean, we joked about it. The guys I hung out with joked about it. And, uh, you know, as we grew into older teenagers, you know, we had sex with girls and, and probably some, some had sex with boys, but we didn't talk about that. But, uh, it was, and I I I didn't know what the heck it was all about, and it was very recently. It was it was after Masterful Living started. It was about midway, uh, maybe three months ago. I realized in some some exercises I was doing in the workbook, I realized that my whole sexual history up until I was in my twenties was a history of depravity. Depravity? How do you say that word? Depravity. Depravity. I can't even say it. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's not true. Well, it's not true. And <laughs> But in my... But, yeah. You know, I was bad. I was... I, I, I didn't have to express myself, so I expressed myself in whatever way I thought was going to be a way to do it. And I, you know, I did some... Mostly silly things, nothing really, nothing that's, you know, they wouldn't throw me in jail for. But, but, you know, things like exposing myself, you know, inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, it was just, I, and I literally, I concluded when I did that, that I was, I, I really was, it, it's another, place where I felt like I was the lowest of the low. Nobody was as depraved as I was. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as a result, I became not so sexually active. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I was always afraid that I would not be able to perform. I did. Uh, I made quote signs with my fingers just now. Right. And so, uh, I I love Akash, what what you were saying, because it's a different for me. It's a different 
event and it's a different kind of exploration but it's the same it's sort of the same thing i was i was just uh, you know i was i was just trying to figure it all out and uh i just never knew what was the right way and what was the wrong way or um and it's been a it's been a this is the most I've ever talked about it my whole entire life. Yeah. So now I'll stop. Kyleen's raising her hand here. Thank you, Miles. Thank you. And just because of time, I'm going to go right to Kyleen yeah. here. Go. Mm -hmm. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Um, I didn't really have anything that came up during the meditation, but with everybody talking about all these sexual issues and stuff, I, it just really resonated with me. And the early, kind of the earliest memory I have of sex being bad is my dad was an avid race car fan. He used to race cars, and he always watched the Grand Prix. Well, I must have been seven or eight years old, and I just see on the TV screen, Grand P-R-I-X. So <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, Grand Prix, Grand Prix, you know, and I'm walking around the house, and my mother just completely shuts me down, and don't you ever say that word again without one word of explanation. So, and never a word about how to deal with boys, how to, you know, nothing, 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 nothing. And I've always carried a lot of guilt and a lot of shame around my history as I got older, going into college and, and, you know, whatever. So I, I just wanted to express my appreciation for the openness for Akash and Miles um around this issue because it's a it's a it's a tough topic. <laughs> yeah, it's one that um like I said, most people have shame around and so bringing it out into the open is what dispels those shadows bring it into the light of our loving heart. And I, I really appreciate what you've shared, Kiteleen, and what you shared, Miles, and, and everyone here, um, you, Akash, and, and Teresa. And um, I also would like to, I'm going to leave you, you all unmuted here, but um, let me ask also, Anyone, just you can do a star two. I'd just like to know, uh, Miles had said that he had this fear that if people got close to him and knew him, got to know him, they would realize there was something wrong with him. It has, it, it, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to call on you because there's not even time. But I'd just like to know by a show of hands, did anybody else have that feeling? Or do you still have it even? So start to, to raise your hand if you ever had that feeling. 
Yeah, a bunch of people are raising their hands here. Yeah. So that, I mean, that was certainly how I felt. Definitely how I felt. I think it's the the most common thing in the human race that if people knew who we really were, they would not be interested in us anymore. And they would leave us and they would abandon us. And so that's the argument for, I'm just muting everyone out now, um, that's the argument for us hiding and pretending that we're a false self and putting it forward. And yet, if you pay attention in your intimate relationships and even in your more casual friendships, the people who have the strength of heart and self-love enough to be transparent, to be authentic. Because being authentic doesn't mean I'm upset with you and I'm going to tell you what I really think of you. That's not being authentic (laughs) by a long shot. That's just saying what you're thinking in that moment of upset. And the moment of upset is not the time to say exactly what you're thinking always. Sometimes it's time to take a time out. All right, so that's people confused and they think authenticity is that you're just going to let everybody know what a bunch of jerks you think they are or how pissed off you are. Well, that's that's not being authentic because our authentic self is actually truly loving and kind and and caring and playful and, and doesn't really care what anybody thinks of us because our true self is non-judgmental. So that's that's what our authentic self is like. But when we can be vulnerable and say what we think and feel without fear of reprisal, which is part of what masterful living is very much about, it's very much about experiencing that, then the shame can fall away. And we start to recognize how the ego keeps us manipulated with shame. It's the number one tool. The number one tool of the ego is shame. So any place in your life where you ever notice there's some shame there, you can have some really big healing because the only way that we can ever feel ashamed is we have to agree to the judgment. There's just no other way we can feel ashamed. We have to agree to those judgments. So we can not agree. And that and there are places where you may realize that you're carrying shame, which came up for some people in this meditation, and then that's where you can write a forgiveness letter to yourself, first and foremost, for taking on that shame. Now, the other thing is, is it's not... It's not that you did something bad or wrong by taking on the shame. It's This is the path that you are learning on. And what are you learning? You're learning compassion. You're learning non-judgment. So we're healing these patterns in our minds, and our minds are joined with others who are doing the same work. We have our own curriculum. So we can talk about this more, but I invite you to begin to really pay attention to uh, your sexuality and what 
turns you on and just start to notice what is it and and also start to notice has it changed over the years in terms of what attracts you what draws you and what turns you on and uh, I like the work of David Data, D-E-I-D-A, and I believe some of his books are in the bookstore. Uh, I can post a couple on the Facebook group. Uh, there's a wonderful book. I think it's very helpful. It's called The Way of the Superior Man. And uh, there's another one called Dear Lover. And intimate communion so you can look at David Data's books and depending on what catches your attention um, one of the things I sometimes recommend to couples is to read the book Way of the Superior Man because it's really I think it's very very helpful for women to discuss it with men to help them understand men better and I think the book also helps men understand themselves better, and I don't think it matters what your sexuality is. Um, so whether it's men who are in a same-sex relationship or uh, men and women who are in opposite-sex relationships, uh, it's very, I think, helpful. And... Um, Intimate communion is about having a more advanced, higher self-to-higher self romantic partnership. And it's for anyone, really. Uh, I think we'll find it useful. Uh, one of the things about the way of the superior man, too, is I don't know, because I don't know any masculine uh, women who love women who've read Way of the Superior Man, but they might find it really helpful too. Uh, because most of David Davis' work, he really is talking about masculine and feminine, not just male and female, because there are, of course, feminine men and masculine women. And um, so he focuses more on uh, feminine and masculine energy versus sexuality. Um, and I don't agree with everything Data says, but I do find that he is helpful uh, in a lot of ways, and at least in bringing up conversations that are helpful. So looking at what turns you on and looking at why does it turn you on, what is it about that, and also being willing to have experiences, if you're not already, of experimenting with your sexuality and um, well, uh, to to uh, masturbate in a way that's really loving and kind to yourself to explore and just some people they won't even be able to. You might not be interested in it, and that's fine. But why aren't you interested in it? And uh, just to look at these things and see if you can discover judgment, shame, these kinds of things, so they can be cleared out. Um, 
I recently saw a movie that it's not very sophisticated. It's um, I actually didn't think it was a particularly good movie, but um, it's um, had some interesting points that it made. It's called Don John D O N. I think J O N had been recommended to me. It's about this young man who um, prefers pornography to actual women and um, and his whole journey with that um, and uh, so that might be interesting for some people um, to think about that and um, especially in the days of you know being able to find all kinds of things on the internet and uh, it's like the movie Her. If you've never seen the movie Her, I recommend that as well. Very interesting. And uh, in terms of cyber sexuality. Yeah, I'll see if I can think of some other movies that might be interesting and helpful for folks. All right, we've gone way over time here. I'm going to pray us out, and then I have a song for you. So let's uh, take this breath of love and gratitude right now and be so grateful and so thankful that we're choosing to open our hearts and our minds to ourselves, setting our inner children free releasing all sense of shame and blame. We're grateful and thankful to partner up and give the Holy Spirit the heavy lifting. So grateful to set ourselves free of limitation, lack, pain, and suffering. So grateful to allow ourselves to live in the unbounded, unprecedented, free flow of love and compassion and harmony. We're setting ourselves free and we're sharing the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we joyfully let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. So the song I'm going to play is called The Morning Chant. Uh, I used to sing with the Agape International Center uh, Choir. And I sang with that choir for 11 years. And this is a chant that Ricky Byers Beckwith wrote. Uh, and it's a, it's a mourning song in the sense of grieving someone who has made their transition. But it's spelled mourning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G. And um, it's a, it, I know we've had uh, people in the class and... Here's one, two, and three who uh, loved ones are making transitions. And so uh, this is a wonderful transition song. And um, it's just a beautiful song that Ricky wrote. And um, by the way, I'm one of the voices in the choir singing. <laughs> so there you go. Enjoy. Enjoy. 